Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? We need to look at the dark part of ourselves and to befriend it and to see that it's there and to know it's there. And we can't do that when we're scrolling social media, drinking alcohol, taking drugs, watching porn, gambling. What does it mean to have emotional intelligence? A buzzword that started coming up 12 to 15 years ago for many of us in the corporate world. But what does it really mean? Emotional intelligence is defined as the ability to manage both your own emotions and understand the emotions of people around you. There are supposedly five key elements to EI, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy and social skills. But I wanted to dig deeper into this topic and talk with someone who works in this space more extensively. Meet Nerida Bint. She is a speaker, coach, author, podcaster and life mentor who coaches and supports people to understand how their subconscious beliefs hold them back from living the highest version of themselves possible, helping you to understand, overcome and heal your emotional home to intentionally create a new one is something she is incredibly passionate about. This is going to be fun. Nerida is a really fascinating person and I've been looking forward to meeting her. So let's get stuck in and meet Nerida. Nerida, it is so lovely to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. So let's get started. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Such a great question, actually. I love this. The work that I do is around emotional intelligence, and it's helping people to have a better relationship with their emotions and to widen their knowledge of our emotional landscape, our emotional home, becoming more agile with them. I really believe that if we did this work internally, then externally we would live in a much more peaceful, connected, safer society. So emotional intelligence is one of the things that I wish more people knew about, talked about, and would learn more about. Oh, I love that. So for those that have not been part of the corporate world for the last 15 years where this word is used often, how do you describe emotional intelligence? What what actually is it? The way I see emotional intelligence is actually being more connected to how we're feeling day to day and actually labeling and validating how we're feeling. So I think what tends to happen is so often we can have emotions, but we tend to run from them. They feel uncomfortable. I work with an emotion wheel. Okay. So it's a wheel. And on the inside, we have our primary emotions, happy, sad, mad, bad, surprised. From those primary emotions come secondary emotions. So Say, for instance, mad. Mad is anger, right? From that, you've got frustration, annoyance, irritation, agitation. And I don't like to use positive or negative because at the end of the day, emotions are just data. They're telling us something. When we're angry, usually we're angry because a boundary's been crossed or a need's not being met. When we're sad, you know, it's usually because, again, a need's not being met or we need to look inwards and tend to ourselves with some more care. 
when we're feeling fear. You know, we need to learn how to create a more safe environment for ourselves. So when we have a better relationship and we can meet these emotions with curiosity instead of fear and running away from them and distracting ourselves, avoiding them, then we tend to become healthier and we tend to get more positive outcomes in our lives. In so much of what I see in society, we distract, deflect, avoid, and numb. And we're doing that constantly. You know, it's so challenging, more challenging than ever to sort of be with ourselves. There's so many distractions. Why is that though, Nerida? Why do you think, you know, your point before about the fear factor around our emotions and I recognize it in myself, but I see it in other people as well, where they're like, oh, no, I can't go there. I don't want to rip that band aid off. It's too scary. Why is that? Is that because of our upbringings or in school, we weren't allowed to cry or in, you know, in the workforce, like that emotional control or containing your emotions, you know, once you got past five years old has been the mantra all our life. Is that part of the problem? A hundred percent. In my view, in all of the clients I've worked with, it always goes back to childhood. So what will happen is the type of conditioning that you receive from your parents around what was okay and what wasn't okay will determine how you feel around those emotions. So Say, for instance, we have two systems within us, right? We have an attachment system and we have a defense system. So our attachment system is like we're wired for love, connection, belonging. We know that we need our parents or our caregivers to survive. So we will work very, very hard every day to keep that connection thriving, right? That connection should come with unconditional love. It should be there constantly. We should feel safe to rest in it. But the reality is so many of us don't get that. So when we start to use our defense system, if attachment is threatened, we will learn to shut that defense system off. So I see this a lot in men and women when children start to express anger. You know, a parent will find a way to try and suppress or make that child bad for feeling that anger. So what does that child register? Oh, this isn't okay. I'm not loved when I express this. So I'm going to learn to turn this off. This isn't okay for me to express this. This is not a good part of me. I need to learn to push that away. So they learn to fragment from that part of themselves. So adaptive then, because it keeps connection with a parent, maladaptive later in life. Because then when you're in a relationship or you're with your friends or you're at work and you're unable to express that, like you're unable to speak a need or you're unable to express dissatisfaction at something, you then send yourself into a prison because you're not able to understand that that's so normal. So, yeah, so essentially the way that we're raised in childhood, the more space our parents give us to feel our emotions and make them okay, the more emotionally healthy we will be later on in life. And this is the number one thing that I see that trips people up in adulthood, you know, this relationship with their uncomfortable emotions. Another thing that's really important to understand is our emotional home is developed between the ages of zero and seven. So it's like a computer program, right? We're building our program, our system that will be our baseline forever. So ideally, we want those emotions to be emotions such as joy, freedom, happiness, confidence. Like they're the kind of emotions that we want to sort of be helping our children to feel more comfortable in from zero to seven because if we can create that for them, they have a much better chance later on in life of that being their baseline. What happens though, I've seen so many clients, like a lot of my clients have anxiety. They say that they have anxiety. Well, actually, no. When you actually dive deep, when you understand 
what their first seven to 10 years was like, they lived with a lot of fear. They were living in a home where there's a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity, a lot of chaos. So they don't have anxiety. Their system has practiced being in a state of fear and being in hypervigilance for so long. And so again, adaptive then, male adaptive now as an adult. So we need to learn how to create safety in their systems. Children that weren't allowed to express anger will have repressed anger. They won't be able to express their disappointment with someone or they won't be able to express like their no because they will be so afraid of connection being threatened. And again, connection over rules, right? So then you see these couples in relationships where one is building all this resentment, doesn't know why, but really it's just because they've learned it's not safe for me to express when I'm not happy about something. I'm, I haven't been taught that that's okay because connection, you know, is pulled away from me when I do that. You know, when we understand and we have a better relationship with our emotions and other people's emotions, we, we become healthier and more connected in society. So, Nerida, I mean, that's fascinating, all, all that information. It helps you understand, I guess, why you feel the way you do and the things that you go through. And I love that term, emotional home, as well. If people listen going, that's great, what the hell do I do about it? Like, what's some sort of advice that you have that people can try, even if they are a little bit scared to kind of go down this track? What are the things they could do to begin to, you know, work in this space? So, the first step is awareness, right? We first need to become aware of what our emotional home is. You know, when I first started doing this work, I found it really interesting. So my emotional home growing up was sadness, loneliness, rejection, confusion. They're the kind of emotions that I felt a lot in in childhood. So in adulthood, I tend to hook onto those emotions everywhere. I find it really interesting, right? I don't hook onto fear so much. I don't hook onto anger. And I have a good friend who um, she's more anger. She tends to hook onto anger more. And we spent this day together where... I remember we went for a big walk, we got back in the car and I was driving and I'd received a parking ticket. And I remember looking at the ticket and thinking, oh, that's annoying. I'm not going to let that ruin my day. Put that down. She notices it and she's like, oh my God, did you get a parking ticket? We're out in the middle of nowhere. Like, Like she just kicks off. And I'm like, wow, that's really interesting that you're having such an emotional response to me getting a parking ticket. Yeah. Later that day, walking down the main street, we both bump into a girl that we both know. She looks at us and I go to wave and she just completely blanks us, you know, doesn't want to talk to us. And what do you think I do with my wound of rejection? I go straight into analyzing. I'm like, oh my God, what just happened there? Why didn't she say hello to us? What's wrong? What have I done? Have I done something wrong? And, and then my friend is like, oh, she's probably having a bad day. Who cares? Interesting. I go back into Instagram. I'm looking back through all the messages. And I'm thinking, what have I done? So it's so interesting. There are so many opportunities every single day for you to hook onto emotions. But like RAS, right, your reticular activator system, like if I said to you, go out and find as many red cars as you can <laughs> find, you're going to look for as many red cars as you can find. Where are we doing that with our emotions? Where are we constantly looking for reasons to hook onto our anger, to hook onto our frustration, to hook onto our sadness, to hook onto our fear? So it's about an awareness piece. Like you said something right at the start about that curiosity, about being curious and sort of observing things rather than being judgmental of yourself, I think. Like it's nice to sort of look at things and go, oh, that's interesting. Why am I responding in that way? Yes, because emotions are always telling you something, mm-hmm. right? And it's up to us to meet that and sort of, you know, invite that in rather than pushing it away and sort of asking, what is this here to teach me? What do I need to learn? 
Do I need to set a boundary with someone? Do I need to ask for a need to be met? Do I need to express my sadness to someone I love? Do I need to express my fear and my insecurity to to get some support? It's a really beautiful way to invite yourself to heal and to start moving through that emotion. The next thing is to actually feel the emotions. So many of us do not even know what we're feeling. You know, I the work that I do with the wheel, I'm asking people, how do you feel today? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Good's not a feeling. Good's not an emotion. Like if you were feeling good, you would be feeling peace, content, joy. What are you actually feeling? Oh, well, actually, I'm feeling a little bit insecure. I'm feeling a little bit frustrated. Okay, why? Why are you feeling frustrated? Well, this is happening, that's happening. Okay, and it's always an invitation for your growth, right? So many of us run from uncomfortable emotions and expressing how we feel. So this is actually inviting us to step into our highest self and start having those challenging conversations. And the work that I do with my clients is about putting that conversation in a way that's with love. Say, for instance, boundaries, right? Boundaries have become so glamorized in the last couple of years. But I think there is a perception that a boundary is like a barrier. It's actually not. A boundary should be mutually beneficial to both you and the person that you're inviting the boundary in. So say, for instance, Michelle, we were good friends. And say, for instance, we're catching up, you know, and every time we organize to catch up, you're always half an hour late. And that's leaving me feeling really frustrated. Now, instead of setting that boundary and saying, you're always late, I'm not going to spend time with you anymore. This friendship isn't serving me, which I think is easy to do. It's just easy for people to do that. I would invite people to express like, hey, Michelle, and and start with love. I love our connection, our friendship, and you are someone I always want to have a relationship with. You know, I really enjoy our time, but I notice when we make plans, the timing tends to be off and it leaves me feeling frustrated, resentful, and like I'm wasting my time. Is there a way we can move forward that serves us both where our time is being respected, we're enjoying our time together and we're both feeling good. So I'm curious, I mean, your explanations of how to deal with things are awesome. How did you get into this work, Nerida? What What is your background? It was really through my own healing journey. So, you know, I'm, I just turned 40 years old six months ago. You know, I grew up with a lot of neglect, a lot of disconnect, a lot of shame in a very dysfunctional sort of environment. So, I can remember from a very young age constantly feeling very disconnected to myself, feeling a lot of shame that something was broken in me. So as soon as I could afford it, I started getting any help that I could get. So psychology, psychiatry, psychotherapists, counselling, life coaches, you know, I spent 15 years and thousands, thousands of dollars really trying to heal myself. And to be honest, three years ago, I went through a huge shift. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I used to own a number of women's only gyms. So literally in the March of 2020, not only did I go through a lockdown and all of my businesses closed and complete uncertainty with my business and all my staff, not knowing what the future would entail, but I also went through a a relational breakdown. I had to move out and live by myself in the middle of a lockdown, just completely rock bottom. And this was a guy that I thought I was going to have kids with and marry and whatnot. And that was the beginning of me sort of going, what is not working here? What's not happening? I'm spending all this time, you know, figuring out this stuff and it's just not clicking. And I happened to come across a lady at the time who was back then a really sort of unknown person, but now she's huge. 
the holistic psychologist. And I remember reading her work and finally everything clicked. It was tying clinical psychology with more holistic practices and understanding why we are the way that we are and how it stems to childhood. And then all of a sudden I started feeling less shamed, less broken and more understanding of the way I was and that it was okay to be the way that I was. And that was the beginning of my healing journey. And so up until that point, I would say I'd spent a lot of time and money and energy on the whole positive psychology stuff. And that was the light stuff, right? The shadow stuff was the stuff that I really struggled with. So the more that you're able to meet your shadow and you're able to see the ways that you sort of sabotage and self-protect the limiting beliefs that you have and the subconscious ways that you, you know, sort of work to stay safe, everything starts to change and you can start showing up differently and therefore your results and your outcomes are different. So it was really through my own healing that I did this work. The way you articulate things is fantastic. And, you know, you just put things into a language that makes great sense, I think, for most people because people doing this work, they're like, it's quite esoteric and it's a bit fluffy, but you know, watching your videos and listening to you speak about things, it's, um, it's fantastic. And one of the things you just raised then about shadow frequency and stuff, you talk about shadow frequency and light frequency. Can you explain what that is? Because when I read this notion, I was like, oh, that's so good. I see that I work in this frequency. And my, as you said, like my friend works in that frequency. It's really interesting. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate that reflection. And to be honest, one of the things that I hear constantly is that with the clients that I work with is how much better they feel when I share so much of my own journey. And I think that's something that's really lost in clinical psychology. I feel like there is this you and me and it, and I'm very we're very different. Yeah, and you're the one with the problem and I'm here to fix you <laughs> and look over you. That is that, that notion, isn't it? You know, that's how you feel. Yes, and I think one of the things that we need to understand is we heal collectively. Like we heal in community. We need to know that there is a sense of sameness, a sense of I'm not broken, I'm not the only one that, sh- you know, that is stuck. And so when we are with a therapist or a coach or a leader who starts sharing some of their own vulnerabilities, we start to rest and relax and sort of go, okay, I've got this, I can do this. If they can, I can too. And so the shadow and the light frequency is we all bounce in and out of both of these, right? It's so normal and it's such a part of the human experience you know, even in the space of one day, you can be feeling joy and happiness and elation and and complete freedom and clarity. And then a couple hours later, be feeling complete confusion and fear and a sense of disconnect. Like it's so normal to bounce between them. It's about where we tend to sit and spend most of our time. Where is our baseline? And if we're noticing we're spending a lot of time in that shadow frequency, it's because we haven't looked at it yet. It it really is. We need to look at the dark part of ourselves and to befriend it and to see that it's there and to know it's there. And we can't do that when we're scrolling social media, drinking alcohol, taking drugs, watching porn, gambling, you know, shopping endlessly. I see so many people, I coach a lot of high achievers and entrepreneurs that in society look like they're very successful, very happy, but deep down, they're miserable because they're just overworking and overachieving, staying busy. There are so many ways that society glorifies the way that we disconnect and distract ourselves and being a high achiever is one of them. We need time and space to be able to sit with ourselves and to meet ourselves and to be okay with all parts of ourselves. 
And that's really important, I think. Oh, it's so good. Like just such great words there to think about and to do the work with yourself. I think that's really beautiful. And I find, you know, I'm about to go on an extended holiday and I find that is such a great time to reflect and, you know, sit on a plane, look out at the clouds and really think about some deep stuff that's going on with me and or whether that's, you know, where I want to go with different things or, you know, relationships and what, what work have I done on that relationship? What do I need to do? All those kind of points. It's lovely to your point about when you've got the time to sit and reflect that it's when you do that. It's great. And I think one of the saddest things I see about the way we live our lives right now is we're so busy and we have to wait until we go on that holiday to finally have space for ourselves. What would it be like if we could sprinkle a little bit of that throughout the year, you know? Yeah. What if we could make time for ourselves to do that every week? You know, I like to say this about emotions, right? I want you to think about, you're, you're an entrepreneur, right? You're a businesswoman. I'm guessing you have an email account that you like to sort of stay on top on and feel like everything's organized and every day you're checking your emails and sorting through them and managing them. Now, imagine if you went away for six months and you didn't check your emails and then you came back and you had to work through all of those emails. Imagine the overwhelm you'd be feeling. This is what's happening with our emotions. We need to be clearing out the inbox and sitting with ourselves and reflecting and contemplating every so often so that we're starting to work through that email account and we're sorting things, clearing them. And then we get to a point where we're up to date and we're doing it day by day. That's why meditation is so important. I meditate every single day. Some days it's 20 minutes, some days it's three minutes. But every day I'm sitting with myself and I'm asking myself, what's here? What's alive within me? What do I need to look at? What do I need to express? And it's really important that we do this and that we teach our kids how to do this. Kids actually naturally do this through play. I watch it all the time. They tend to play and walk and just be. And the saddest thing, the reason why our suicide ideation for children is going through the roof is because every single hour these kids spend on devices is drastically improving that. Kids are not meant to consume, consume, consume. They're meant to have time and space to process what's going on for themselves and they do it through play. Yeah, it's a really good point. Nerida, how can people work with you? Can people do work with you one-to-one? How does that work? I offer two things at the moment. I offer an emotional intelligence workshop to corporate companies with anywhere between 10 to 50 people. It's a free workshop where I go through emotional home, how to create emotional safety, how to develop emotional connection and agility. And then I also offer, I work with people one-on-one for a six-month mentorship and the results and the progress that you make in six months in your business and your relationships is extraordinary. And the best way to get in touch with me is to hit me up on Instagram. My name is Nerida Bint, N-E-R-I-D-A-B-I-N-T, and send me a DM and let's book a free discovery call to see if I can help you move forward in your life with a bit more clarity and ease. I love it. So, so wonderful to chat with you today. And I know there'll be people that would just get so much out of this conversation. So um, really appreciate you being on the show and yeah, look forward to uh, seeing what you're doing next. Thanks so much, Nerida. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's been such a pleasure. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.